Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Ade. And this is Black Ticulate. Black Ticulate. Black Ticulate. A podcast series that gives voice to positive black action. No matter how big or small. All right, okay, let's get this show on the road. Black Ticulate. Okay, so, uh, guys, in front of us, we've got a real treat. She's a dear friend of mine. Her uh-huh. name is uh, Zoe Jade Crooks. And uh, for those. Whole surname out there. <clears throat> and for those who don't know who she is, I'm going to let her take the rein and describe who she is. So, Zoe. Hit us. Hey, Who hey. are you? How do you describe yourself? Well, full of figured female for one, just to give you a little image right there. Pretty in the face, a little small in the waist with a big old booty. Um, Northern, originally from Manchester, come down to London just to do the do and experience life on the south side. And I'm loving it, the dirty south. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's me really, quite a creative soul, loud bubbly personality so i.e that means i'm fat um (laughs) but fat in all the wrong places shit right places right places (laughs) but um no i've been here since now what october 2010 so like five six years i've enjoyed it i've met some fantastic people i'm only on my second job so i've not been moving around like a little Scallywag. Scallywag. Hold on. So, why did you come down? Just something new. The opportunity had come for me to um, be able to move down here with my cousin. Our granddad had just passed and we're just both like, yeah, now's a good time than any, really. She studied down here in London, so she was familiar with it. And I thought I wanted something new from Manchester. Studied in Birmingham. Naturally, I thought London's the next place. Yeah, to come and just feel it out and I've enjoyed it I don't think I'm going to go back home I think this is going to be me forever and a day now right but when you say feel it out what do you mean as in was there just the city or was there like a particular profession you were trying to get into for being a creative soul and enjoying fashion I was always told London had to be the place to go I rebelled Mm. and I thought oh well if I'm good at whatever it is that I want to do I'll be noticed wherever I am and I've been a little bit ignorant as well because my dad's been in London for however many years and it doesn't seem to, to me, I didn't feel it was successful. So I thought, why do I need to go down to London and struggle like mm. him? So it was a little ignorant on my part as well. But Manchester didn't feel the same after I'd studied at Birmingham. So I was there for about a year and I thought, yeah, I'm ready to take London and just start a new adventure with my cousin. And it's been adventure after adventure since then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me a bit more about... I feel like it's quite interesting now to know your background a little bit. So when you said your dad studied here and you didn't seem successful, 
Um, um, not so much that he studied here from, I can't remember what age, I know I was in primary school, but he kind of packed up and left to um, explore his, his creative juices, so to say, as an architect. Okay. So it was a big job for him and he felt that for the realm of work that he wanted to do and the position that he wanted, Manchester wasn't offering him anything, you know, substantial enough. So he packed up and went to London. And I think I was a little resentful, thinking, wait a minute, mm. I'm still growing, I need this guy around. And he's just always, you say all the fruits of the label for you and right I'm still now, I don't see no fruits, don't see no berries, <laughs> don't see no nectarines in that basket. But I'm hoping all will change in about a year's time when I actually move down further south out of London to go and live with him. Oh, okay. So everything he's been working for will hopefully fall into place in London. Um... And yeah, so he used to work at a bureau in Manchester and I think he was just a bit frustrated that he didn't have the job role that he really wanted. And I just think he felt more opportunities were in London, which I now agree. Mm, I okay. think the older I got and the more experienced I got, I could understand his thought process. But being the young child I was at that time, I just thought, well, my dad got off and left me, yeah. left me with my mum and my brother, which I enjoyed, I don't fault them. Um, fantastic people got fantastic memories with them, but a girl needs their daddy, you yeah. know? Okay, why is that? Because I personally think if I had my dad around, the list wouldn't be so long now for the sexual partners that I had, <laughs> because he would have he would have created a good high-level platform for me to attain to. Instead, I had my brother, who was two years young, older than me, oh, Lord. and he was experiencing whatever he experienced, so I was just like, I might as well be a free, free-spirited soul and learn from my mistakes. And I've enjoyed my journey, but there's some people on that list I would rather not be on there and nil in void. But, um, yeah, I just think he needs to be around. I think a girl, a young girl, needs to have their father around to teach them certain things that a mother can't teach them. So I think it's a balance act, really. I needed my dad just as much as I needed my mum. But ignorance would have told me, oh, my mum could handle everything, but my mum couldn't have taught me how... To conduct myself in front of males in that sense or how males would see me yeah. growing up only a father can give that guidance, a dark, yeah. you know that guidance but I had the guidance from my brother but he was only two years older than me so, so he's still he learning really himself do, yeah. um so yeah so I still still have my little daddy issues but yeah. hopefully they'll even out eventually yeah I mean that's interesting do you feel like a lot of people who have a single mother and didn't have their dad growing up as such, um, aren't as well-rounded? Would that I be... Think, I think it depends. I could say there's a couple of sharp edges on that Sophia. So it's not well-rounded, no, but I can't fault every single single parent because I'm not them. I don't know your um, dynamics. Yeah. But for me, personally, I think my mum done a fantastic job. But as I said, there's certain things that I think, certain messages... And life lessons, I think, needs to come from an older male. And it would have been received better if that male is the person that brought you into the world kind of thing. I personally agree. Um, okay. So I think there is there is some variance there when you don't have two parents in the household. Definitely. No, OK. I mean, that's almost a given. Uh, I agree with that. So let's talk into professional context. Mm-hmm. What is it do you do? <laughs> Fabulous, baby. <laughs> No, visual supervisor at Marks and Spencers, but for them it's a visual merchandiser coordinator. So I manage currently a team of like eight 
stylists and merchandisers. I have to make sure they're in the right place at the right time, get the job list done that my manager or I myself has collated from the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week. So it can range from styling mannequins, sellouts. A sellout is a product that's only got one or two left on the floor. If it's on a mannequin or it's in a strong viewpoint that a customer can see as soon as they come into the store, I need to move that. So we've always put a piece of product that's got its most full size variant. So it's all just about money, 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 money. Yeah. So you can imagine at the beginning of one morning, you might have 12 items. By lunchtime, there's only six. I need to move that. So it's always just keeping on your toes and always putting M&S visually, you know, at the forefront, making sure it always looks bang on all the time. So it's very draining. My foot is swollen by the end of the week with how much um, mileage that I'm doing, mm. walking up and down. It is fun, but it's also very stressful because I currently work at the trial store. It's now one of the biggest stores in London, but due to our location, we're quite close to head office. So we get a number of visits a week. Right. The trial at loads of different things in our store. So you need to be very open and receptive to change. Gotcha. Which sometimes is frustrating because you've just implemented something half an hour ago. Then the CEO comes with the fashion director, with the editor. Oh, well, can we just try it this way? And you're just thinking, are you really kidding me? Yeah. I've just done it half an hour ago and it's due it's my lunch break. God. But you want it done in 10 minutes and I'm hungry. And I've got breath that smells like a dog's bottom. <laughs> because I've been that hungry the <laughs> last time I eat at was like 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh, God. So... It is a bit trialling, but I think after the experiences I've experienced in M&S, I'm set for anywhere now. Amazing, amazing. So that route, though, talk to me how you got yourself into M&S. Well, I think, personally, it's just character and leadership skills. I hadn't had any prior visual merchandising experience where that was my title or it was on a contract. I've always just had that interest in it. So in any retail experience I've had, I've always shown interest in either wanting to dress the mannequins or give customers advice and style. And I think it's just been picked up from there, really. I think the best opportunity, I've, one of the best opportunities I've been given is Paul Smith. I think only a couple of months into me working there, I think Christina Perucci, if that's how I've pronounced, if I've pronounced <laughs> it right, girl, sorry. I think noticed that I could handle the mannequin with confidence. I was just like, oh, do you always want to make sure that we're looking good in ladies' wear? If a customer needs this or that, can I kind of leave you responsible? And I was like, yeah, that's cool. So I think from there, they made me the ladies' wear representative for merchandising, which was really good. I enjoyed that. I always knew what were the best sellers, how much stock we had in, size range, if it was going to be a bestseller as soon as it came in, like I was on point with it. Occasionally I was a bit lazy with the service, but in regards to the product, I always knew what I was doing. And I think from there, when I applied for um, Marks and Spencers, the kind of scene, that strong confidence, leadership skills, knowledge of the product and gave me that supervising opportunity. Yeah. So m is actually the first role where I've solely done Been visual merchandising. There's no sales in that sense involved. I'm not on the till. I don't have a target that I have to attain. My target is always making sure the shop floor looks standard, perfect. So the key takeaways from that then, in order for someone who wants to almost emulate those steps mm. is, if you are looking to become a visual merchandiser, 
if you're in a retail environment, make sure you show a keen interest mm. in that field and do yeah. whatever it is you can, even if it might be pro bono, like coming in an extra day to do yeah. the mannequin and just, just before, apply yourself. Um, before Paul Smith, I was yeah. in Manchester at Harvey Nichols working for Jaeger and I ended up coming in, I think maybe a month or so. I expressed interest. Basically, I'm very push up. I expressed interest <laughs> to the display team at Harvey Nichols that I'm happy to help because it was quite a small team because it is a small Harvey Nichols. So it was almost like every one of my days off, Zoe was in. So I was doing six days a week for nearly nine months. Oh, geez, okay. So, wow. but I enjoyed it. So it almost didn't seem strenuous. Mm. It was part time at Harvey Nichols. So I wasn't doing full full-time hours so I couldn't recuperate you know really so I didn't feel that I was smashed into the ground or anything like that so I think that gave me a good experience in terms of windows and the importance of really visually attracting the customers so I had that but I was never in a position where I had that title on my contract it was mm. always just free work kind of say I mean I don't know I, in order to meet how do I ask this question so you're on the first steps of becoming what is the what is the final steps for your profession and your you know well final steps you could be like a regional visual merchandiser okay. or area you know you could be in a position where you then just manage you manage more merchandisers below you so the higher you will cover more areas of England you cover could cover the whole of South England or you could maybe go internationally is that quite financially is that quite a good it is i think depending earning. what brand you represent okay. i think it does definitely depend on what brand you represent and how much knowledge you gain and how much experience you have but um some of the figures are quite desirable yeah. <laughs> i will not lie hey guys before we return to the episode i just wanted to say i appreciate you listening and if you'd like to get involved then please visit www.blackticulate.com for more information. Now let's get back to the episode. Well, not light at all. <laughs> okay. And what would make what makes a good visual merchandiser? I guess. Um, I think definitely having a visual eye, being able to respond quite quickly to um, trends, commercial commercial awareness is a good thing as well. So you know what's in. Um, knowing your colours, knowing how to dress a mannequin. I think knowing men's, home, kids, women's. I think definitely having a variety of different um, departments. I think just building as much knowledge as possible. I think when I first expressed the interest in visual merchandising, there wasn't any courses mm. or um, things as such like that. Now there's courses where you can go to college and go to uni and be experienced in visual merchandising which kind of to me just kicked me in my ass because I thought while I'm here trying to learn on the job which I think is the best experience yeah, I think so. you've got graduates learning that course and then kind of getting work experience at some high-end places and then just getting the um, job role by default right. so I'm just like wait a minute <laughs> wait a minute you're not knowing how to maybe multitask and dealing with customers asking you for something while you've got a mannequin arm in your hand um, you're trying to react quickly to something a manager's asked you to do. You've only got two hours left. You haven't even had your half an hour lunch break. Yeah. 
you've got to um yeah there's all sorts do you know there's just loads of things i think learning on the job's better but i think the more courses that come out of learn how to be a visual merchandiser learn how to do this this is that i think some of it quite creditable right because it's all about psychologically having a customer come in to your store and spending money so i don't think it's a petty role i think it is very methodical very psychological yeah. i think some people may oh well what is that is it oh you just dress mannequins no 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 no. <laughs> there's almost an art to it because i'm trying to psychologically make that customer that's coming for a pair of socks leave mm-hmm. with a pair of shoes a handbag a skirt a belt yeah. that can all Upsells. be done through visual s- stimulation yeah so it's almost communicating with a customer without saying anything at all i think that's an art form that everybody can do that but okay so I mean, guys, you probably already listened to Zoe and you know she's pretty much quite confident. In fact, hands down, you're one of the most confident people I know. But has that always been the case? Oh, God, no. There was a time I was very fluffy and nobody loved me. Woo! <laughs> 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 what I talk about it, I'm joking. No, there wasn't. And I just think, um, of course I can. Have you got enough videotape or recording tape? For sure. There was... I think when I was born, I was beautiful as the apple of my mother's and father's eye. Yes, I have an older brother, but when I came, I just stole the show. (laughs) So I was quite cute when I was younger. Little dainty little thing. Very scornful. Didn't like dirt. Was very cute. Big eye. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And like lips like a little polo. Oh, <laughs> when Zoe got introduced to hardo bread and such fattening things from my father because he wasn't my father didn't really have much knowledge of nutritional meals to make for his children so we had mcdonald's we had pepsi we had all the name brand cereals you could think of we had sugary donuts we had deep fried food while we sat down and watched the simpsons my dad will not own up to any of this stuff and he believes I'm just a big girl because of my mother's genes. Although when he met my mum, she was a size eight. But 
you know there's always blame being shifted so I think when I got into primary school like year one or year two Zoe fluffed up so it was fluffy very fluffy and I wasn't people's first option so I think from there I always knew I had to you know it was personality for me I knew I was thick there was one point where I was bigger than my mum and I was like, how, this, this, this thing's supposed to be right. <laughs> I was just like, how am I wearing sizes bigger than my mum? I was just like, no, 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 no. And um, there was name calling, but I could hold my own. I would never say I was a victim or anything like that. I think it's just all experience of being in primary school and whatever. But obviously being a fluffy girl, but, but oh, you're fat. Oh, you're the, oh, no, no, no. Oh, and I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. So I became quite aggressive. So instead of, sometimes I could verbally tear the back of you from a young age and sometimes I just used to punch you in your face. Right, oh shit. Done okay. the story. So not only that was a chubby, I was quite masculine as well. Right. I had an older brother that used to like to ramp with me. So I didn't see no problem in just punching someone if they were getting on my nerves. That's how I dealt with things. Right. All the way into high school as well. <laughs> and um, I'm very family orientated and I've got two cousins, male cousins that used to do rugby going into like primary school into high school and just to spend time with them I used to participate in rugby as well <laughs> so I've got a big butch looking self quite aggressive because I'm just ready to ramp and fight whenever the situation calls for and then I do rugby as well so I'm all butch as hell wanting to roll around in the grass with boys there was no other girls on the team but I didn't care because I just thought I'm with my cousins and I'm holding a vibe but little did Zoe know, a couple of people in the rugby team were people Zoe were going to go to high school with. Okay. So when they recognised me in high school, they gave me names like, oh, monster, oh, this, all that. And I thought, oh, no, that's cool. White people. Because <clears throat> <clears throat> none of the black people would be calling me monster. Because, you know, to me, that was just what it is. So I think I learned to make joke of my situation. I was big. So you dealt the, with it. Like. Yeah, dealt with it through humour. That's a crux trait, i.e. my dad's side of the family. That's how we deal with some stuff. We just make joke of it. Sometimes it used to bother me. Sometimes I thought, oh, God, I'm not desirable. But I found I was not desirable to people of my old age group because I was so much bigger than... Uh, and I don't mean, like, obese bigger. I think I came into womanhood quite quickly as well. Chest, bottom, thighs. I don't think I was ever going to be a skinny mini or a slim gym. I was always going to be a fuller figure girl. But people I found attractive didn't know how to maybe take that. Mm. So I found older men seemed to be attracted to me because I had an older look to me. I looked much older than my years. <laughs> used to use it to my advantage when I was out raving in London. Boy. But um, I felt more comfortable with older people because they didn't make me feel away for how I looked. Mm. So I think that's where kind of I felt at ease. But towards the end of uni, sorry, high school, Zoe's figure changed again. Okay. People are getting eyeballs now. People are looking <laughs> Zoe's back and chest. And I thought, yes, relaxed hair was on fleek. Um, so I think everyone just has their time, really. And I think I could recognise that. My brother supported me as much as possible, you know. But you're just going through the motion, puberty, growing up, yeah. whatever. So I could see that. I was never short of any friends. I never felt away where I thought, oh, God, I'm ugly. I used to buff. I used to ball every now and again. That's between me and my mum and the four walls. Oh, I'm fat, oh, blah, 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 blah. But it never stopped me waxing down on food. So I don't think I was ever that miserable where I was depressed or anything mm. like that. Because now I'm just feeling myself too much. Yeah, I've got a fupa. 
Can I even say what a food uh, is? Yeah, yeah, please fupa, tell me. Fat upper pussy area. Jesus Basically, I've got a pot belly. <laughs> and I've got that, um, say, where is that from? I think basketball is basketball wives. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Fupa. Fupa. Okay. And I think men can have fupas as well. Fatter upper penis area. See. Just change the P word. But um, yeah, I'm feeling myself. I feel confident. I know when I've put on weight. I know when I... I can look a little bit better by losing weight, but I feel confident in the sense that when I go out on the street, no one's going to know mm. whether I think I've put on a few inches or not. And I think I can dress for my size. I think that's one of the things with me. I was going to say. I've been able to dress for my size. You've got, you got a phenomenal fashion sense, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. And I guess it's a given since you are in the fashion industry. But does your size ever play into effect? Because let's not be around the bush. The fashion industry is very sizist. It's very, for want of a better word, shallow, well, or am I, am I, I mistaken? I don't really look for much representation in the media for my size. As long as I can go, if I see a style or if I see something I like in store and I can maybe wear it, I'm cool. Yeah. Sometimes it's just maybe acknowledge of your own body shape and knowing what you can and cannot get away with. So like miniskirts, for example, with the thunderousness of my thighs, I know miniskirt might be a lot for some people to take on there's going to be so much skin and meat exposure right. so i think it's just conditioning sometimes i might go somewhere else like maybe jamaica to say or certain parts of america i mean a miniskirt might turn the whole of the people on it just depends culturally it depends. yeah culturally where you are i'm not caught up on how i'm perceived by people i just don't care i think there was okay. a time when i used to and i just found i'm bowling all the time mm. i just really don't care now I don't care that I'm happy to be nappy and I've chosen not to go for a relaxer. I don't care that my face breaks out every now and again. I've got huge spots on my face. I'm just like, that is what it is. Yeah. I've been boxing down on chocolate or I've been eating this. Like, it's all cause and effect. Yeah, so you're so very aware of I'm yourself. very aware. I'm not going to moan about something that I know I can control. I'm really not fussed. Is that a cultural thing? Because you mean... What you're... do you mean, being fluffy? No, not fluffy, but just the fact of being hardened. See, I wouldn't even say it's a cultural thing, because... I mean, wait, do tell us, I mean, where were you born, where were you raised, um, was... Born in Manchester, grandparents are Jamaican, so I'm assuming maybe you're asking, is it kind of that Jamaican kind of confidence of maybe not caring? Yeah, and I mean, sometimes you... if you see how they are portrayed, they will come out in some stuff where you think, really? Your belly's too big for that, or your skin's too mark up for that? But it's just that don't care vibe and attitude that I can appreciate and like. And each to their own. I think culturally sometimes I like how Jamaicans are represented and sometimes I don't. Yeah. Or I don't like their fashion sense. But again, I wouldn't have someone critique and tell me something. I'm up for positive criticism, but if someone's like, oh, I don't like what you wear, that's fine. It doesn't yeah. mean I'm going to change it for the, on the spot for them. This is just me. No, that's fair. Pinch of okay. salt, dash of pepper. So what's next for you? I mean, what's the dream? Um, to take over the world, personally. Yeah. One, think... one mannequin at a time. <laughs> Not mannequins. <laughs> People. But, I remember as... You know, because those who are yeah. listening, I'm hoping maybe they can get in touch with you, which I will definitely put in the show notes, but also potentially there could be some collaboration, there could be something to yeah. help you I've, as well as them. I've got to say, I haven't explored my creative side as much as I could have I've had loads of ideas and I've never actually actioned them such as so like little photo shoots that I've wanted to do 
and being in Paul Smith, just being around so many different creative people, actresses, photographers, it was nice and I kind of vibes with that, but it never got actioned. Mm. So sometimes I speak a lot and I don't actually follow through, which is a trait I do not like, but I don't even know what's holding me back because it's not a confidence thing. It's more probably just sheer laziness. But yeah. um, I don't know maybe what's next. I do think of a lot of different things like image consultancy. Sometimes I used to think I'd love to be a stylist. Like I remember as young as hell watching Miss Yelly in Hot Boy and Super Duper Fly. And I used mm. to think I'd love to be able to style her. But um, I really don't know. I'm just as free as ever or still being a visual merchandiser, but doing it on a regional or area base where I can just pop into a multitude of different stores and represent them like that and not be in-store based. Kind of have a head head office vibe. Well, I was curious, and I would like you to also tell my listeners your Instagram account, because mm -hmm. aren't you kind of doing that slightly with by being, Insta. yeah, by photos shoots of yourself and what you're wearing and people then commenting on it and yes, saying how they I like it. Could you not potentially see I that as a route? A, it is, a, it can be used as a route. And I know some people do use Insta like that as a route, but I think a challenge is maybe knowing someone else's body shape and visually putting their best foot forward. I know my shape, I've had it for 28, going on to 29 years. Mm. It's not a challenge for me to know what I look good in. It will be a challenge for me to be able to of dress course. somebody else. Of course, but I you mean, know, you've got enough experience, shape. would you not agree, in that? I would say so, giving out advice, mm. but my experience is more of the people that don't talk. Mannequins, mm. you know, knowing how to dress a male kid a woman's mannequin that's not that challenging because don't talk back if they don't like it <laughs> like what how would i um how would i respond if i was dressing a woman and she didn't feel very comfortable with all the options i picked how am i gonna combat that mm. you know that's the kind of stuff that i'll be interested in i think i would be able to dress a skinny mini for an editorial shoot yeah. that's fine but how would i deal with almost image consultancy really and a multitude of different body shapes men kids i want you for this event no this is the price point no that's too expensive for me dealing with that kind okay. of stuff i think i'll well, find quite interesting well i can easily put it to my audience if anyone knows how they can help zoe in that then uh do get in touch but what does your instagram so the people know my um outfit post instagram is i am zoe jade no underscore or one word. i am All zoe together. jade okay i'll put that in the show notes as well guys um, okay, so I ask everyone I interview these questions. Go on. Shoot. Uh, success. Mm -hmm. Who springs to mind? Hmm. Oh. Do you know what? In I'm not even going to go on the angle of maybe someone famous. Mm. I'm very for my own and culturally, so... Any kind of black representation that's doing positive, I gravitate to. Like, for example, I love Taraji P. Henderson, you know, from um, Empire. Shout out to everyone that's watching Empire. If you're not, <laughs> you're losing. Um, I think from a young age, my mum's always made me quite aware of watching my black movies and black history. So I'm always, I always feel warm or excited when people are making new waves or getting new acknowledgement. But more so, like on Instagram, when I watch... I've got two comedians that I more or less follow and just watching their followers just keep on tacking up, tacking up, tacking up mm. over the weeks. And I find the stuff generally hilarious, but it's them putting themselves out there 
maybe only getting one or two jokes at first to now 100 or 200k followers people having laughing at their stuff on an hourly basis mm. that's what i find successful you know just thinking fuck it i'm gonna go and do this do let me just do it and people all all over the world liking and responding to your stuff that's what i think is successful does it necessarily have a monetary value to it but being acknowledged by loads of different race creeds cultures for being you to me that is what successful is in my opinion i almost want to end it there because that was brilliant but uh I still have a couple more. So what are you listening to or what are you reading that you can recommend? <laughs> what I'm listening to is Jadan. I think that's how you pronounce it, but I'm from Manchester, so don't watch that. Classic man. That's been on repeat since I've seen him on the BET Awards. Janelle Monet, Do That Yoga. That's also been on repeat since the BET Awards. Um, FK Twigs. I think I'm in love with her. I would love for her to be my girlfriend. Scene. Um... <laughs> And I think they're the people that are on rotation for me at the moment, music-wise. I love the weekend as well, but I'm not feeling those nappy-headed dreadlock things that you're doing. Just comb it, separate them up a little bit, because I think he's good-looking in the face and his voice is beautiful, so he's on rotation as well. I haven't really been reading much at the moment. I do have a book that I haven't read. I think it's Purple Orchid or something like that. Is I haven't... Purple oh, Hibiscus per- by Chimanda Nguzi Sorry, Adichie. you were going to let me respond. <laughs> Sorry, it's yes, your time. I down my throat, but yes. Yeah, it's a good book. I'm I've happy you pronounced it because I yeah. wouldn't have been able... I would have to spell out the name yeah. to you. But yes, I've not got very far, but this is the book I intend to read next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, so it was Purple Hibiscus by Chimande Ngozi Adishi. She wrote um, Half the Yellow Sun. I've She's, read Half the Yellow Sun. In fact... She was put on the limelight from the Western perspective due to Beyonce, because um, Beyonce literally extracted verbatim her talk on feminism. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Sugar Plum. Is that her? Yeah. Oh, learn something new every day. Yeah. There you go. Um, and last but not least, how would you like to be remembered professionally and personally? Um, Personally, just being that loud obnoxious female every now and again okay. you know um loving very friend and family orientated i would like to be remembered that way and professionally people person maybe the girl that tried maybe not hard enough but the girl that tried and just enjoyed life really okay well zoe um how can people get in touch if they want to get in touch with you if any of you like do you have a twitter handle is it instagram well, or do you, um or if you'd rather not saying you and you don't mind them getting in touch no things. i really don't mind people contacting me via dm and insta i'm for the amount of bubble bubbliness and outgoing people skills i've got i'm very anti-social as well when i'm ready to tap out <laughs> do not call my phone after a certain true. hour because you ain't gonna get no answer um but instagram maybe have a look on my insta not that i think you could maybe get a sense of who i am through a still image but if you're feeling the vibe of my photographs and my style maybe um dm me and we can maybe take it from there really okay well brilliant well guys you've listened to another uh, black articulate episode and uh that was zoe jane crooks catch you guys later bye i'd want to personally thank jimmy our sound editor And I'd like to thank you guys for listening. 
For more episodes, please visit www.blacktitulate.com. And also, do share your positive stories with us and everyone else. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.